All right, praises be to our loving Father that we are able to gather once again to study His words and His commandments. Now we're going to talk about the millennium, which of course is the 1,000-year reign of Hurricane Yahusha here on earth. Now why are we going to talk about the millennium in the first place? Well, let's look at the chart that we've been studying, the Moedim chart. The Moedim, uh, please remember, is the mystery of God, which reveals the work of redemption, the work of restoration, follows a timeline according to the appointed times or Moedim. And so we talked about the autumn feast, which begins with the Feast of Trumpets, and then the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. We observe the feast because not only do we use it as a memorial, but also to rehearse for future events that will take place on these appointed Moedims or appointed times. So the Feast of Trumpets corresponds to the return of Yahusha, to the assembly so that we can be taken to heaven. The Day of Atonement is our return together with our King Yahusha on the day when he will judge. And the Feast of Tabernacles corresponds to the millennium reign and eventually the eighth day, which is our tabernacling with Yahuwah God in heaven. So we're going to talk about millennium because that corresponds to the Feast of Tabernacles. It points to that day when Yahuwah will tabernacle upon his people. Now, why is it called millennium? Because when we talk about millennium, it's not actually a biblical term or a biblical word. You cannot go to the Bible and read the word millennium. And so what is millennium all about? Well, the word millennium comes from 1,000 years. And 1,000 years is in the Bible. Let's read the book of Revelation 21 to 3. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And so why do we have the thousand years being significant when it comes to the day when Yahuwah will tabernacle with man on earth. Well, the Bible says Yahushua, when he returns to earth together with his saints, which would be us because we're going to be in heaven, we're going to have a wedding in heaven. Afterwards, we're going to return on a day of atonement to execute judgment together with our king. When that day happens, one of the things our king Yahushua will do is to bind Satan and uh, keep him prisoner in a place called the bottomless pit. And how long will he, will he be in prison in the bottomless pit? Bible says for a thousand years. This way, for a thousand years, he would be unable to deceive the nations, which tells us the work of Satan all this time is to deceive all the nations, right? And so we should not be surprised that during our time now, there are nations being mobilized, being used as an instrument for Satan's agenda and purposes. But when Yahushua comes and he is bound into the bottomless pit for 1,000 years, he will not have any influence upon any person and upon the nations of the world. This is why that 1,000 years is going to be a pleasant thousand years because Satan is not going to be reigning 
and ruling over the earth. So the removal of satanic and in evil influence will take place in that thousand years of the kingdom of our father Yahuwah through Yahushua HaMashiach. Now what also happens after Satan is bound and is in prison for a thousand years? Let's read Revelation 20, 4 down to 6. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Yahushua and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. What also will happen after the binding of Satan, the devil. Bible says a vision was given and he saw thrones and people sat on these thrones. Who are they? Those who will be priests of God and of Christ. And why will they be sitting on thrones? Because judgment was committed to them. In other words, they would be given power and authority so that they can co-rule with Yahushua HaMashiach on earth for a thousand years. And so for that 1,000 year reign of our King Yahushua, the millennial kingdom, there will be those who will serve as priests and kings together with our king, Yahushua. Who are they? Revelation 3 and the verses 21. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I have overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So who, who gets to sit on the thrones that was seen by the apostle John after the binding of Satan or the devil, those who overcome. If you remember Revelation 3 and also Revelation 2 is about the instructions of our King Yahushua to the seven assemblies with promises to those who overcome. Those who overcome, the Bible says, they will be given a right to sit with me on my throne. If they sit on the throne, he will be given power and authority to do certain works during the millennial kingdom. Now, who are they? Let's read the book of Revelation again. 1, 5 to 6, and from Yahushua Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion, forever and ever amen and so who are they who overcomes and by overcoming we begin to sit together with Yahushua on thrones on during the millennial kingdom they are the ones who have been washed by the blood of our king Yahushua and so they have faith in Yahushua they have been baptized into Yahushua and are covered by the blood the powerful blood of our king Yahushua. And so we will be kings and priests because we are covered by the blood of Yahushua. How many here believe that we are redeemed and covered by the blood 
of Yahusha. Well, that's part of the gospel message. In our faith in Yahusha, we call upon him, Yahusha, as our Mashiach, as our Lord and Master. And in so doing, are baptized into his name and are covered by his redeeming blood. So according to Revelation 5.10, we have been made kings, we have been made priests. Now, if you are a king, what does that mean? Right? We're going to be in the millennial kingdom and we're going to be kings. What do you mean we're going to be kings? I mean, what do kings do? Anyone here know what kings do? What are we going to do as a king? Well, let's read in Revelation uh, 2, 25 to 27. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. What does it mean? That those who are covered by the blood of our King Yahusha and have overcome all things, what does it mean that they will become like kings? Bible says they will be given authority. What kind of authority? To rule over the nations. And so something to keep in mind, when Yahusha returns, and he destroys the army of the beast and the false prophet, will there be still nations on the earth? Yes. This is why if there are still nations on the earth, what there are kingdoms on the earth, and there will be those who will be assigned to be rulers over those nations. This is why those who belong to Yahusha were going to play a role when it comes to overseeing and governing these nations that will remain on earth during the millennial reign of our king Yahushua. Notice how they will rule. Bible says he will rule them with an iron scepter. That's a symbol of authority. Now, what does it mean that we will rule over nations? We get a clue in the book of Exodus in 18, 24 to 26, Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,150 and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Here we get kind of a blueprint of what it's going to be like when we will be ruling as kings over the nations. During the days of Moses, when Moses was overseeing the people of God, there were many disputes coming his way, and so he was exasperated. And so he was he lost he, he lost a lot of time doing that. And so there was an advice given to him: why don't you assign people to help you? And these people you are going to choose capable men appoint them as leaders and so what will they do they will solve the people's common disputes and then make judgments on them and so that's what we're going to be doing as kings when we rule over the nations of the earth well what are we going to do as priests why does the bible say that we are going to be priests as well as kings to our god the book of Malachi, chapter 2, and the verses 7, For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, 
and from his mouth men should seek instruction because he is messenger of Yahuwah Almighty. What does it mean? That we will be priests and kings. Not only will we be giving the solutions to problems that the people will be facing, not only will we hand out judgment, we're also going to be teaching. We're going to teach the knowledge and the instruction from Yahuwah, our God Almighty. And so we're going to be teachers of the law. This is why, brothers and sisters, we need to learn how to understand the teachings of the Old Testament as well. We're going to use that knowledge. We're going to preserve that knowledge. And so as people of God, we need to study the scriptures so that we can be prepared when we become kings and priests during the millennial reign of our king, Yahushua. Now you might be saying, I don't know if I can do that, Brother John. You know, I mean, I'm not really that smart. I can't memorize things. What if I mess up? How many here have that fear? I'm going to be a king. I'm going to be a priest. I might mess up and I don't want to fail Yahuwah God. Well, you don't have to worry. I mean, if, so there are people here who are saying to themselves, brother, how can I do all of this? Well, there's good news. We don't have to rely on our own strength and, and our own body right now. Because if you still remember the charge, right? On the Feast of Trumpets, when that last trumpet is sound, what's going to happen to us? Yahusha returns. We're going to ascend to meet Yahusha in the air. And what will happen to our bodies? Corinthians 15, 51 to 55. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, or when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And so what happens when the last trumpet is blown? By the way, when Apostle Paul referenced the last trumpet, what is he referring to? The Feast of Trumpets. This is why we believe our King Yahushua will appear in the clouds to give us our salvation on the day of trumpets. When that trumpet is sounded, the last trumpet, what will become of us? Those who belong to our King Yahushua, Bible says we're going to be what? Transformed. I don't know about you, but how many here needs a transformation? I think a lot of us need a transformation, right? Especially when we begin to feel aches and pains. When you begin to feel the, your age creeping up to you, when you feel weak and sickly, we all need that transformation. The Bible says when that trumpet is sounded, our bodies are going to be changed. If we die, we're going to be resurrected. Our bodies are going to be changed. What does it mean? Our bodies are going to be changed. The Bible says our bodies will become immortal bodies. Our bodies will never die. It's going to be a glorious body. This is going to happen when the trumpet is sounded on the last trump. Now, why is that? Why would Yahuwah, through Yahusha, change and transform our bodies? Why does he decide to do that? Let's read Corinthians 15. 
What comes first is the natural body. This is the body we have now, the natural body. It grows and then decays and then eventually what? It dies, right? So we have a natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. So that's the transformation, the natural to spiritual. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What am I saying? Dear brothers and sisters, here it is is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. Now we know why our bodies are going to be changed. Why? Because we're going to be in heaven. You see, there's a difference between the earthly body and the heavenly body. An earthly body cannot live in the heavenly body. What does Yahuwah want? He wants us to live in, in heaven. And so for that to happen, our bodies need to first be transformed from an earthly body to a heavenly body. What is this heavenly body? A spiritual body. One that does not get corrupted. One that does not decay. One that does not die. As a matter of fact, to what is his body compared to? Philippians 3, 20 to 21. But we are citizens of heaven. This is why here on earth we're pilgrims. We're sojourners. This is not our true home. Our true home is in heaven because we're citizens of heaven, where the Lord Yahushua Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. I can't wait for that body, right? Because we're going to have different powers and capabilities when we have that body. Consider our King Yahusha. Did you know our King Yahusha, even here on earth, he was able to walk through walls. Does that mean he's a ghost? No. He has abilities to somehow manipulate space and time and dimensions, and he can go from one place to the next. What do you call that? Teleportation. But this is not teleportation. It's something else. This glorious body somehow is able to allow us to go from one place, locality to another locality instantaneously. It's a magnificent, glorious body. A body with capabilities. A body that will empower us so that we can become like our king, Yahusha. Isn't that exciting? That's pretty exciting. You're not going to get old. You're not going to die. And you get to do new things you've never done before. Like what? Let's read Corinthians uh, 13, 9 to 12. Not now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture but when full understanding comes these partial things will become useless when i was a child i spoke and thought and reasoned as a child when i grew up i put away childish things now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. You know, when our bodies are going to be changed, you know what's included in that change? Our brains, our minds. 
And so not only will we not grow old, not only will we have capabilities that manipulate space and time somehow, we're also going to have new intellectual capabilities. Because the Bible says right now, we're limited in what we can know. Why? Because our physical apparatus, our physical instruments are limited. Our brains are limited. And so we can only understand so much. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, now our ability to know is only like a cloudy mirror. In other words, we only know a portion. It is partial and incomplete. Our knowledge is partial and incomplete. But when our new bodies come together with our new brains, we're going to have full understanding. We're going to know everything completely just as God knows me completely. This is why we will have an understanding of certain things that we had no idea about. And so everything is going to be restored. We get new bodies, new brains, and a new way of thinking. And so we will be equipped to be rulers. We will be equipped to be kings and priests over the earth during the reign of our king, Yahushua. This is why we have so much to look forward to. Now, question is this. If we're going to be kings, if we're going to be priests, well, who will we be kings and priests over? Right? Who will we be ruling over? Well, in the book of Revelation 19, which we studied before, it, meant, it mentions our King Yahushua descending from heaven, right? And he will come to make war. And the armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen. And he will come to rule with an iron scepter. We know this will take place on a coming atonement, a day of atonement, because he will be judging, because he will come in order to destroy the kings of the earth who have pledged allegiance to the beast and to his commanders. Now, what will happen after they are destroyed? Revelation 19. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice, while the birds flying in midair come gathered together for the great supper of God. Now we're talking about tabernacles. We're talking about the millennial kingdom. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men, of horses and the riders in the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. And so our King Yahushua, when he returns, who's going to be with him? Us, because we'll be in heaven with him, right? We'll be in heaven, we, we elect the first fruits. Because remember, when it speaks of the harvests in the feasts or Moedim, the reason why it's likened to an agricultural metaphor is because it speaks of harvests. The harvest speaks of resurrection or salvation in heaven that's what the harvest is all about and so we will be the first of the harvest we get to go to heaven we get to return to earth together with our king yahushua and when our king yahushua returns he's going to make war he's going to destroy the beast and the kings of the earth and they will be released into the you they will be cast they'll be the first ones to be cast into the lake of fire and what will happen to the devil he'll be in prison for how long one thousand years and so what happens during this war? 
Let's read Zechariah 14, 3 down to 4. Then Yahuwah will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall be moved toward the north and half of it toward the south. Bible says Yahuwah is going to fight against the nations. Through who? Who, is be, who will be his chief instrument? Yosha. So when we read the prophecy in Zechariah, when we read the prophecy in the Old Testament, every time it mentions Yahuwah doing something during the end times, it's referring to our king, Yahusha. So Yahuwah, through Yahusha, is going to destroy these nations. And take a look at what happens. His feet will land on what mountains? The Mount of Olives. Yahushua is going to land on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem in the east. And what will our King Yahushua do? And Yahuwah shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be Yahuwah is one, and his name is one. Yahushua is going to prepare the kingdom for Yahuwah, for another harvest. We're going to talk about that a little later on. But notice, when this battle takes place, there are what happens after the battle is done. Zechariah 14, 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, Yahuwah hosts, and to keep, what does it say? The feast of tabernacles. That's very interesting. Because many of us thought that when Yahushua returns and destroys the beast, the false prophet, and Satan is in prison, a lot of us thought that all the people in the world will be destroyed, right? No. After the woes and after the bowls of wrath that we're going to study about in Revelation 16, when the bowls of wrath are poured out, a lot of the people are going to die. There's going to be a severe depopulation of the whole earth. And then there's going to be the mobilization of the beast and the Antichrist to fight against Yahusha, who is king. However, they're going to be destroyed. However, there will still be people from different nations throughout the whole world. How many are going to be left? I don't know. Two billion, four billion maybe. We don't know. But there will be people who are going to be left. People who did not accept Yahusha. People who did not believe in Yahuwah. The Bible says... There's a reason why they have been left. What is that? The Bible says these people who are left, they're going to be required to do something. From year to year, they are to worship the king. Not only that, they are to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. And so the people who are left, they're going to be taught how to worship the king. They're going to be taught how to observe the different feasts. Guess who's going to teach them? That would be us. We're going to teach these people who are from all over the world how to do it right according to Yahuwah's will. Well, what if they refuse? For example, they refuse to worship or they refuse to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. What happens? Zechariah 14, 17 to 19. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth, the whole earth, okay, do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, Yahuwah of hosts. 
on them, there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which Yahuwah strikes the nations who do not keep up, to, who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. They shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And so when the people, during the days of the millennium, right, when they disobey, when they ignore the teachings of Yahuwah that we will teach, if they will not observe, for example, the Feast of Tabernacles, what's going to happen? Immediately, they're going to be punished. You know, nowadays, you know why sin is so rampant? It's because when people commit sin, nothing happens, right? And so what do they think? Oh, I think it's fine. They don't they take sin for granted. They, they, they say, they think and believe think sin is okay because nothing happened to me. I sinned, nothing happened. But on the, the millennium, during the millennium, Bible says when a person sins, they're going to know it right away. They're going to be punished right away. So the connection between disobedience and punishment is going to be very, very clear. This is why the Bible says we're going to be ruling with a rod of iron. It's going to be discipline. For what? So that the people can learn. Now, why? What is the purpose of Yahuwah in teaching these people who number in maybe the billions during the millennial kingdom? What is the purpose of that? Well, if you still remember, the Feast of Tabernacles has many names, right? What are the names of the Feast of Tabernacles, if you still remember? Sukkot, right? What else? We got Feast of Booths, Feast of uh, Shelters. But there's, a, there's another name the Bible calls it. In Exodus 34:22, celebrate the Feast of Weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the Feast of Ingathering at the turn of the year. In other translations, you must celebrate the Festival of Harvest with the first crop of the wheat harvest and celebrate the Festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season. So after the end of the harvest season, there's still going to be a final harvest. This is why if you notice the Feast of Tabernacles has the seven main days, right? But it also has an eighth day, the last great day. And when we look at our timeline, or the, the, the seven-day plan of Yahuwah for earth. It's 7,000 years. The first 6,000 years is when the devil will be reigning and ruling. But after the 6,000 years is done, he's going to be in prison. And for 1,000 years, we're going to find rest. This is the Sabbath rest that is in conjunction with the seven-day or 7,000-year plan for the earth. That will be the millennial reign. But that's only for the, for the seven days. The eighth day corresponds to what? The kingdom of heaven where? In heaven, right? And so for a thousand years, we're going to be here, the millennial kingdom. But that will transition and move upward to heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. And so for the 1,000 years, that is called the final harvest. In other words, Yahuwah wants to harvest more people who are going to go to heaven because during the first harvest that was us we got to go to heaven these people who were left on earth they don't they haven't gone to heaven yet but there's going to be that final harvest throughout the 1000 years it's called the millennium harvest 
And so this tells us the work we do is going to be significant. The people who are going to be harvested in the millennium is going to be great in number. Many, many people are going to be saved. Remember what our father said. He says he wants all people to be saved. And so during the millennium, many people are going to get a chance to be saved. We're going to teach them. That is our role as kings and priests. We're not going to be like lords over them doing whatever we want. No, we're going to follow the agenda of our king, which is to have a harvest so that many more sons and daughters of God will be added to the family and reach the kingdom of heaven in heaven, not just here on earth. So what will we be doing? Micah 4, 2 to 3, many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of Yahuwah, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths for out of Zion the law shall go forth and the word of Yahuwah from Jerusalem. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to teach the law. We're going to teach the Ten Commandments. We're going to walk. We're going to teach them to walk in Yahuwah's ways. Where is our headquarters? Bible says Jerusalem, the house of God. There's going to be a temple, which is why when we read Ezekiel 40 to 48, we find that there's going to be a temple during the millennial kingdom. And this temple is different from the temple during the days of the Solomon, during the days of Herod. It's going to be different, vastly different. I mean, look at the size comparison. The one on the left is the Ezekiel temple, the temple in the millennium, compared to Herod's temple and Solomon's uh, temple. And so it's going to be vastly bigger. And so we have a better temple during the millennium. And what is the distinction of this temple what is the characteristic of this temple in ezekiel 43 the glory of god appeared from the east the glory of yahuwah came into the temple the glory of yahuwah filled the temple so this temple is from yahuwah these are not the ones built by the jews in israel today that's different okay this temple is not that this is different yahuwah's presence is Shekinah glory will be in the temple and fill the temple. So the people of the world during the millennium, they're going to see the presence of Yahuwah there in Jerusalem in the temple. But also it's the purpose of the temple. The Bible says in Ezekiel 46 that it will be closed, but it will be open on Sabbath day and on the new moon so that people can worship. And so the temple is open for worship on the Sabbath and on the new moon. This is why worship during the millennial kingdom, which we read in Isaiah 66, 22 to 23, is going to take place on a Sabbath. This is why the Sabbath, the new moon, these are important dates because that is when we gather together for worship. Just one more thing. You know, in the temple, in the West Wing, or at the Western end, do you know what we find there? Well, let's read Ezekiel 46, 19 and 20. Then the man brought me through the entrance at the side of the gate to the sacred rooms facing north, which belonged to the priests, and showed me a place at the western end. He said to me, this is the place where the priests will cook the guilt offering and, what does it say? The sin offering and bake the grain offering to avoid bringing them into the outer court and consecrating the people. 
And so according to Ezekiel, there's a distinction between the regular people, right? And us, we have the glorious body, right? We have the new minds because we belong to Yahushua. We're being covered by the blood of Yahushua. But the people during the millennium, they're not covered by the blood of Yahushua. They have to wait to see whether or not they pass the judgment or the test during the millennium. This is why during the millennial reign, what will be taught are the Ten Commandments and what will be implemented are the ceremonies of the Old Testament. They don't get the privilege of receiving atonement from, our, from the Shabbat of Yahushua. That opportunity has passed and gone. This is why, brethren, now is the time to give ourselves to Yahushua. Now is the time to obtain forgiveness, atonement through the perfect blood of our King Yahushua. Because during the millennium, the thousand years, it's not going to be through Yahushua blood. We're going to be going back to the old ways. And only after they pass the test will they be allowed to become a part of Yahushua to be able to dwell in the heaven. This is why there's going to be another harvest. But this harvest is going to be much more difficult. This is why we as people of God, we belong to Yahushua. We're very fortunate. Don't take for granted what we have. The perfect redemption through the atoning blood of our King, Yahushua. So we who have the perfect bodies, right, leading the millennial kingdom, we may be acting as priests maybe, and as kings for sure. We may be helping those who are appointed priests. We don't know for certain what the details are going to be, but we're going to be doing a lot of work so that there's going to be a good harvest after the millennium is done. So we will be teaching Isaiah 2 and the verses 3. We're going to be judging Isaiah 2 and the verses 4. We're going to be ruling over nations all over the world. And we are going to be plentiful because the Bible says in Isaiah 30, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So this tells us there's going to be a lot. We will have access to these people and the people have access to us. Because one of the things that was absent during the days of Israel were capable and truly loving teachers. You know, there were people who taught as priests, but they accepted bribes, right? Or maybe they, they taught and ruled, but they only did so for a prize. And they were not really sincere in teaching. Not with this. During the millennium, we, because we have the glorified bodies, guess what? We're going to be good teachers. And we're going to be reliable teachers. And we're going to teach them the way to go. Not only are we going to be reliable, we're going to be effective. Why? Look at Isaiah 29, 18 and 21. In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the scroll. And out of the gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. The deaf and the blind, those who disregarded the laws of Yahuwah, the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah, they're going to be able to see. They're going to be able, they're going to, be able to hear. Once more, the humble will rejoice in Yahuwah. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish. The mockers will disappear. And all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those who with the word make a man out to be guilty, who ensnared a defender in court, and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. And so we can already see 
during the millennial kingdom, what will prevail? Justice, righteousness, and the truth of Yahuwah Abba as prescribed by the laws of Yahuwah that we will teach. We're going to be teachers of the law. This is why, brethren, we need to really prepare ourselves for that work. That's what we're going to do. And it's going to be exciting because we're going to be doing a lot of uh, administering of the people throughout the, throughout the world. And so what will be the conditions of the world like? What will it be like? Because what will reign, you know, what will be prevalent are the teachings of Yahuwah. It's going to be different from the world we live now. First of all, who's not going to be influencing the people of the world? The devil's not going to be there. It's not going to be there, right? This is why when a person is disciplined, a person's punished, they learn right away. Because there's no evil influence. That's completely absent, okay? And so we're going to be effective teachers. And so what will the world be like? In Zechariah 14, 7 to 8, it shall be one day which is known to Yahuwah, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem. The Bible speaks of living waters. What is that? Living waters that flow from Jerusalem. We get a clue in the book of Ezekiel 47, 8 to 21. And he said to me, this river flows east from the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. How many here went to Israel? You know, when you go to Israel, there's going to be what's called the Dead Sea. It's called the Great Sea in the Holy Bible. But it's really the Dead Sea. When you go to the Dead Sea, there's a lot of what in it? A lot of salt, right? Why is it called the Dead Sea? No living things, supposedly, right? And I can't wait to go there and, and go into the Dead Sea. And there are people, I think, who want to be baptized into the Dead Sea. <laughs> oh, no, not the Dead Sea? Where is it then? Do they want to be baptized? Jordan, Jordan River. Okay. Because when you go to the Dead Sea, you're going to be floating. It's going to be hard to immerse you. <laughs> Right? Because of the resistance, the salt, too much salt. Anyways, the waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from En Gedi to En Eglaim, the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they filled the Mediterranean, but the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month. For they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. This is why this age called the millennium is great. You have good fruit and you have good medicine. The world today, you know, we have some medicine, but it has a lot of side effects. This one has no side effects. This one is 100% effective. You have fruit, you have leaves for healing. It comes from the river that flows from the temple. And so this is pointing to the heavenly river, the heavenly tree of life. It points to that, right? And so we're going to have you know, the leaves for healing and the fruit for food 
This is going to be for the people who were not the glorified body. This is for the people who are leading and ruling. So really, the people during the days of the millennium, they have it good. It's a good life. It's a fantastic life. Because you have, first of all, you have this opportunity to be healed, but it doesn't end there. You know, what else does the Bible tell us about what the world will be like during the millennium? Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of Yahuwah, the splendor of our God. And so during the millennium, you're not going to find deserts and wilderness. Because in the desert, it's going to blossom. The desert, the parched land, it's going to burst into bloom. Amazing. What else? Isaiah 11. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. Doesn't make sense. The wolf will live with the lamb. I mean, what does the wolf usually do when he's right next to the lamb? What will the wolf do? Eat that lamb, right? But there's going to be a change in nature. It begins with the trees. And then the river, and then the deserts becoming green, and then all of a sudden the behavior of wildlife, it changes. Look, the, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the, the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. So the lion's not going to be a carnivore anymore. It's going to be a herbivore. Have you seen that before? A lion eating straw. So there's going to be a change in animal instincts. So the millennial kingdom, during the millennial kingdom, it's going to be a different earth, vastly different earth. Okay? The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. <laughs> How many of you would do that with your kids right now? No way. You yourself will not play near the hole of a cobra. A young child puts his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of knowledge of Yahuwah as the waters cover the sea. And so we get a glimpse of what the millennium is going to look like. The world is going to be filled with knowledge. The knowledge of Yahuwah. The behavior of animals are going to change. Nature is going to change. It's going to look a lot more Beautiful. The sunsets are going to be better. The stars are going to look brighter. Everything is going to look a lot more beautiful. Not only that, though. Isaiah 35. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and will the, uh, then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And so there's no more disease. There's no more cancer or heart disease. There's no more Alzheimer's in the millennium. Disease has been eradicated, not by modern medicine, not by science, but by who? By Yahuwah. He's going to change uh, the world and what will become of the behavior of men. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for Yahuwah Almighty has spoken. There's going to be peace. There's no more fear. There's going to be peace among men. People are going to be happy. People are going to be prosperous. And to give you a summary of what it will look like in Isaiah 65, be glad 
rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they live a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the curse will die that young. In those days, people will live in the houses they built and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. There's none of that. You know why? Because there are kings and priests who will make sure love will reign. Who will make sure the laws of God will reign. Right? So none of that. Unlike the past, uh, for, many, for my people will live as long as trees. How long do trees live for anyways? A long time. And my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They will not work in vain, and children will not do the misfortune. They are people blessed by God, and their children too will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. I will go ahead and answer the prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat like a cow, but the snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, Yahuwah, have spoken. Amazing. That's what we look forward to. You see, brethren, the millennium will be 1,000 years of a glorious age for the world under the leadership of our king, Yahusha. It will be unlike the history of the world. Nothing like this has ever been dreamt of by man. This is what we look forward to in the millennium. It's like paradise regained. This is going to be an enjoyable life for a thousand years. This is why the Feast of Tabernacles, and I want you to remember this, points to the 1,000 years of a new earth, right, called the millennial, and the new heavens and the new earth in heaven, because it's only for a thousand years. And so when people are enjoying life on earth, for a thousand years, guess what? It only gets better. Why? Because if you like the millennium, you're going to absolutely love what Yahuwah has prepared in the new heavens and the new earth. So after the thousand years, the eighth day, and this reserved for heaven. But before we go from the millennial to heaven, unfortunately. <laughs> Something's going to happen after the thousand years. Let's read Revelation 20, 7 to 9. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. He marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And so after the millennial, after the thousand years, what's going to happen? Satan will be released. The people are going to be tested. <laughs> so we're going to find out if our teaching was effective. Were you effective uh, kings and priests? Did you teach my people well? There's a test. Satan was released from his prison. How many failed the test? <laughs> How many are deceived? How many? 
You cannot count it. The Bible says those who were deceived number the sand on the seashore. How many sand particles are there on the seashore? How many grains of sand on the seashore? Billions? I mean, this is really staggering, isn't it? Think about it. For 1,000 years, you have peace, prosperity, health, joy, right? Beauty. For 1,000 years, you had all that. And you were led by Yahusha, by Yahuwah. You had the perfect teachings of Abba. You had everything you ever needed. Good food, perfect health, no disease, long life. And the prospect of living in heaven. And all of a sudden, just a snap of a finger, what happens? They all change and rebel. It makes you kind of think, why? I've been thinking about that for a long, long time. How is it possible that after a thousand years of prosperity, a thousand years of peace, a thousand years of enjoying the teachings of Yahuwah, why would they even listen to Satan? Right? And so I began to think about that. And you know what it is? You see, human beings, they don't like it when somebody leads them. They want to be their own person. Isn't that true? It's called independence. We want to be independent of God. It's our human nature. Isn't that true? Because of our pride and our desire for independence, we don't like it when people, you know, tell us what to do. We want to live our own life. However, we want to see it fit. We want to do our own thing. We don't want to subject ourselves to the will of Yahuwah. And so when people have that kind of desire, guess what? They can be easily deceived. How many people have that mentality? This do whatever I want to be. I want to be my own God. I want to make my own name for myself. How many people have that mentality? There's a lot of people. Brethren, if we're going to have that mentality, we're going to be easily deceived, right? And the Bible says, those who are deceived, what happens to them? And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, or the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the end of those who want to be their own person. Those who do not want to be led by Yahuwah, those who do not want to be led by Yahusha, their end is going to be the lake of fire. This is why we have to make a decision now. We have to really remind ourselves, brethren, that we can never be independent of who? Yahuwah. We need to always be dependent of Yahuwah. Never ever think that we are wiser than we are. We need to subject ourselves to Yahuwah. Otherwise, we will be deceived. You see, the devil was able to deceive in a short span of time that many people. Brethren, the devil right now, is he in the prison? No. Where is he now? Where is he now? He's here deceiving people. In fact, in Revelation 12, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. His angels were cast out with him. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. I mean, if the devil, after the millennium, was able to deceive so many in a short span of time. 
how much more today? You will deceive many. You know why he is going to deceive and how he does this work? Well, I guess before we can answer that question, we need to know what deceive means first in the first place, right? What does it mean to deceive someone? According to the dictionary, to deceive someone is to cause to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. And so when you cause a person to believe a lie, right, that's deception. And there are people who are pretty good at deception. They think of ways to cause a person to believe a lie. And this is why there's another uh, definition for deception, to mislead by a false appearance or statement, right? To mislead or force, falsely persuade others. They practice deceit. And so when you create an appearance that is false, to cause people to think or to be misled into thinking that something is valid when it's not, what do you call that? Deception. Who's the master of deception? Satan. This is why in the end times, do you know what the most repeated warning of our King Yahushua is? What is the most repeated warning of our King Yahushua during the end times? Yeah, look at that. Do not be deceived because there will be a deceiver and there will be there there are those who are with him deceiving and people who are deceived they also end up deceiving because the devil uses instruments he has his minions working with him but we also have people who do his work for him also on earth and he deceives the whole world and what's the purpose of this deception In john 8 verse 44 you belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desire he had he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The Bible says that the devil is the master deceiver, a liar, a father of lies, and his purpose is what? To murder, to take our inheritance away. And he was like this from the very beginning, because who was the first victim? Adam and Eve, or actually Eve and Adam, right? They were the first victims of his deception. And this is where we get the clue. I want you to listen to this. Because today, what is true today is true in the beginning. What the devil did in the beginning is what he will do in the end. It's what he's been doing, okay? Remember, the devil, after the millennium, is going to deceive many. And how will he be able to do it? He will do exactly what he did in the beginning. You know what that is? Take a look at this. It's really revealing. Genesis 3, 4 to 6. The serpent says, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Do you see why the devil is going to be able to cheat and deceive so many people even after the millennium? His blueprint is right there. In the beginning, in the beginning, when Yahuwah spoke to Adam and Eve, what did he say? You know, you can eat anything you want. Just don't eat the forbidden fruit. But well, what did the devil say? 
The devil said, you will not die. Because you always said, you're going to die. The devil says, you will not die. That's the lie. But look at what the devil does to deceive. Remember, the deception is to create an appearance that something that is a lie is true. Right? That's what he's good at. Creating appearances. Creating ways to persuade a person to believe that what is a lie is true. And so this is the lie. You will not truly die. Look at how he causes the appearance, how he deceives. When you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. This is called enlightenment. Don't people today love enlightenment? They want to be enlightened, right? They want to be connected to the universe. Be enlightened. And you will be like God. This is the idea of pantheism. You know what pantheism is? It's the idea that's popular among spiritual gurus today. It's the belief that we are all parts of God. That you yourself are God. You just don't know it. This is why you need enlightenment. And so when you eat the forbidden fruit, you're going to have enlightenment. Your eyes will be open. You're going to realize, you know what? I am God. I am like God. You know, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and she can eat. Ate it. You notice what the devil did in the garden he's also doing now? Think about it. What is this idea called? This idea of being God, this idea of enlightenment, this idea of something pleasing to the eye, for gaining wisdom, of eyes opening, becoming like God. What does that show us? It tells us Adam and Eve, instead of dependent on God, they want to be what? independent from God. They want to be their own God. You notice that? That is what will cause a person to be deceived. The desire to be independent from God because he himself, she herself wants to be their own God. Calling the shots. They don't want anyone to tell them what to do. That's the lie that is alive and well today. It's called, you know what's called today? New Age. <laughs> it's the New Age belief. The new age belief. The idea that you can be independent of God because you have some kind of power. That in your mind you can control the universe. You think it enough. Love attraction. You think it enough. The universe is going to cooperate with you. They even do some mumbo jumbo and they say, oh, it's been proven by quantum mechanics. The law of attraction has been proven because of the uncertainty principle. When one particle can cause changes instantaneously in another particle, light gives away. At the root of it is this desire to be their own God, this idea that you can be independent of God or a part of God, pantheism. And so when the devil has his idea, guess what? He plants that in the minds of people, right? And what he uses to make the appearance that the, what is a lie is true, he uses what's called syncretism. You know what syncretism is? When he takes false ideas and he puts clothes on them to make it appear compatible with the truth. Syncretism. This is why the Catholic Church was able to introduce so many pagan beliefs with, with, uh, with the Christian faith is because of syncretism. They use pagan beliefs and they put Christian clothing on them. Oh, it has Christian clothes. It must be a Christian idea. So they adopt it. Be careful about that. The devil 
is alive and well. He has come in wrath. He will do his best to deceive new age. That's what will get many people today. Millions of people are buying into new age beliefs, especially Christians. According to a poll in 2017, look at this. Six in 10 Christians hold at least one new age belief. And one of the most dangerous ones are those who are very you know, spiritual gurus. One of them that's very influential today and have influenced even Christians. You know his name? His name is Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle is a creator of the book, Creating a New Earth Together. And so he has this idea that the human beings, they don't really need God, as the Bible teaches God. They don't need Yahusha to be a savior. He doesn't believe in sin or judgment because you yourself can be a participant of the Godhead figure to create a new earth together. And so instead of becoming dependent on God, you yourself become God. When you have presence, that's what he calls it. When you have awareness of presence and you get to see what reality is. This is Eckhart Tolle and he's been popularized by Oprah Winfrey. Well, that's why these new age beliefs, people are adopting it, right? And what does he actually believe in? Uh, his teachings focus on the significance and power of presence, the awakened state of consciousness when your eyes are open, after you eat the forbidden fruit, your eyes are open, which transcends ego and discursive thinking. Eckhart sees his awakening as the essential step in human evolution. And so Eckhart doesn't believe that the new heavens and the new earth will be the work of Yahuwah. No, it will be our work. Human beings will do that. Human beings don't need Yahuwah or Yahusha. He, he doesn't believe you need to, Yahusha. You can do it on your own. You just got to open your eyes. Yeah. Doesn't this sound a lot like this? Right? Your eyes will be opened. You're going to be like God. You get to control things. It's pleasing to the eye. Desirable for gaining wisdom. Because when you read his stuff, you're going to say, that makes a lot of sense. I really like it. I think I'm going to grow in wisdom. When you read his stuff, I love it. I want to follow him. And what makes him even more dangerous is this. Look. Recently, I learned that a local church was hosting Bible studies based on Eckhart Tolle's teachings. And so Eckhart Tolle, because of supposedly the wisdom that he writes about, which is desirable and good for gaining wisdom, a lot of these Christians, so-called Christians, guess what? They use his teachings and they put biblical clothes, <laughs> right? What is that called? Syncretism. And so they're using his principles, putting biblical verses to it, syncretizing it, accepting it, and then holding Bible studies to promote Eckhart Tolle's gospel. Wake up, brethren. We need to be aware of these things. But does he have a religion? In 2003, Andrea Such characterized the power of now as a wash in spiritual mumbo-jumbo. One in 2008, an article in the New York Times stated that Tolle is not identified with any religion, but uses teachings from Zen Buddhism, Sufism, Hinduism, and the Bible. So he combines all of it. He syncretizes pagan ideas and puts biblical quotes to stitch it together 
to form a paradigm, what he calls the presence. <laughs> and he's duped a lot. According to faithwriters.com, this is what uh, Paul's basis for his contradictory interpretation of crucial scriptures and his assertion that only parts of the Bible are true rests solely in his claim to have attained a special enlightenment that reveals truth to him that even Yahusha and the apostles missed. And so Eckhart Tolle, he uses the Bible. And so because he uses the Bible, there are those who profess Christianity. Okay, I like what he's saying. And so they buy it. You just put Christian clothes and biblical clothes around them and accept it, right? But you notice he doesn't, doesn't use all the Bible, only certain parts of it. Why? Because he doesn't believe all of it, only the parts that suit his agenda. And so what does he say? Well, he makes a claim that he has special enlightenment, even greater than who? <laughs> greater than Yahushua. Greater than the apostles. In fact, according to, based on his work on enlightenment and the presence, Paul teaches many things that contradict the interpretation, interpretation of Scripture, protected and handed down through the generations by the earliest followers of Yahushua. He teaches that Yahushua is just a man who revealed only part of the truth. Yahushua is not divine. He is not the only begotten Son of God. Look what he says. We are all Christ's, but do not realize it as told us. He states that sin is not breaking God's law and that Yahushua did not come to die for mankind's sins. We do not need to be concerned about God's judgment for sins, no matter how heinous. And our feelings of guilt when we violate our conscience are just an illusion. Goodness. In addition, we do not need God's forgiveness and Yahushua is not a savior because we do not need salvation. We just need what? To bite the fruit. <laughs> we just need an awakening. And so this is the idea of not needing, not being dependent on God. To be independent, doing whatever you want, because you are also a Christ. You are a Messiah yourself. You just don't know it yet. You just need enlightenment. Right? This is what is going on. In the world today, many are buying into New Age ideas and beliefs. This is why they reject the Bible. They say the Bible is constricting. New Age is liberating to become me, the better me, the higher me. You got to be careful about this. This is why, what should we do so that we will not be deceived by the enemy? Second Thessalonians, the wicked one will come with the power of Satan and will perform all kinds of false miracles and wonders and use every kind every kind of wicked deceit on those who will perish they will perish because they did not welcome and love the truth so as to be saved he will use every kind of wicked deceit especially of the type that is quote unquote new age this is why we have to be careful because nowadays as human beings we're bombarded by information right you watch youtube how many here watch youtube videos how many here watch videos from facebook there's so many, so much information out there. This is why we have to test it. What is our test? We have to use the word of God. We have to use the truth. Because if we will not welcome the love of the truth, if we will just use it as clothing, we will buy, buy into this stuff. We will use new age stuff and just put Christian clothes on. Be careful. Test everything. 
And there are even people now who even use the name of Yahuwah, the name of Yahushua, and they present their own agenda. This is why we got to be careful. And the reason why I say this is because, you know, I mean, we're not telling you you cannot watch videos from other religious groups. Did we ever say that? No, you go watch it, but you have to test it. Test it. Even if they proclaim Yahuwah, even if they proclaim Yahushua, you got to test it. You got to test it because you never know what they're going to try to inject. Okay. And the reason why I say this is because I got a, for some reason yesterday, I get like all these messages from Facebook. And it says this, you know, there's this, uh, apparently this Facebook page. It's called Living for Yahuwah, Yahusha. Living for Yahuwah, Yahusha Facebook page. Hi, Brother John. Is this us, Assembly of Yahusha, Paul? Kajan, good morning, Paul. May I ask for if, uh, if official page for Banati's Assembly, you're living for Yahuwah and Yahusha page. Thank you, Brother John. And so I'm like, why is all these people all of a sudden asking me about this page? Why? And so I looked, and I looked at the page, Yahuwah and Yahusha, living in Yahuwah and Yahusha. It's, they call themselves a religious center. Interesting. It turns out that page used to house our content. You look at it, it changed names. It was first Church of Christ 1914, and it changed to Church of Yahusha, and then it changed to Assembly of Yahusha, and now living for Yahuwah and Yahusha. And so the owners of this page, right, um, they removed our videos because they say, well, it's my personal page, right? They remove our videos. They change it to living for Yahuwah and Yahusha. And I mean, this is really us before. You know, when you look at past events, isn't that us? The BHP, the 10 tribes of Israel, right? These, this was our activities. And so they removed the content. They changed the name. They kept Yahuwah, Yahusha, right? But they removed our content. And then take a look. But they keep the subscribers. And so it, they're making it appear that we are endorsing this Facebook page. And so the questions keep coming. Brother John, is this official? And so I'm going to say officially, this is not. This is not the official page of the Assembly of Yahusha. You are subscribed because it used to house the videos of the Assembly of Yahusha. And so they created this Facebook page. But they did not tell you about that. They removed the content, but they kept certain parts to make it appear it's still of assembly of Yahushua. Be careful. Be careful, brethren. Now, you might be saying, well, why do you not, uh, uh, do you not uh, officially endorse? Well, there's nothing wrong with proclaiming Yahushua. It's good that they do that. We should do that. But sometimes, you know, we don't, we're not, this is not our official page. So they could be presenting information that is contrary to our faith, right? For example, in this Facebook page, do you know what they're promoting? Look at this, Yahuwah Yahusha, acknowledging the good that you already have in your life. It's the foundation for all abundance. Guess who the author is? What's his name? Hecker Tole. Oh my goodness. And so now we have Yahuwah and Yahusha endorsing isn't that what it looks like? It creates the appearance, doesn't it? It creates the appearance that Yahuwah and Yahusha is endorsing 
Ekartoli. Oh, but brother, the message is good. Remember what the devil said, what Eve said, this looks good for food. This looks like a good word. Wait a minute, is it really a good word? Look at it. Acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is a foundation for all abundance. Think about it. Wow, that sounds good. So insightful. Acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation for all abundance. I want to buy into that. And so that's what they did. And they dressed it up in Christian clothes. They have an explanation on the top, right? If I can read the explanation on the top, not everyone can say that they are pleased with their lives. We frequently lack contentment and desire more for what we lack and who we are. But Apostle Paul, the Christian quotes, tells us to be grateful for whatever we have. He had experienced the best and the worst of life in this world, and he knew that it was to have nothing and that what it was to have an abundance. Choose where you focus your attention. And so they connect that to acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation for all abundance. It sounds good, pleasing to the ears, good for gaining wisdom, does it not? But when you look at it, it contradicts the teachings of the Bible. What do you mean? Is there anything wrong with acknowledging the good that you already have? Is that good or good or bad? Is it good to focus on the blessings? Is that good or bad? Yeah, but that's the command not the foundation. Do you see the difference? Who's the foundation? Who is the foundation? Yahuwah through Yahusha. That's the foundation. They don't even mention Yahusha. What is the foundation to them? Acknowledging the good that you already have. In other words, by using your own power, controlling your own mind, choosing to acknowledge the good that you have, you're going to have enlightenment. You're going to have the presence, and that's the foundation of all abundance. That's the teaching of Eckhart Tolle. And so the foundation became the man, became the woman. You see that? The foundation became you. You can be the source of your abundance. All you have to do is acknowledge. Like what we said, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging. But that's a command, not the foundation. Who's the foundation? Well, let's look at Philippians. This is the verse he was trying to dress this quote with, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Who's the foundation? Is it your thinking? Controlling your thinking, is that the foundation? No! Apostle Paul said he knows what it's like to live in one, to live in plenty. But the secret is this. What's the secret? Focusing your thoughts. That's a command, but that's not the secret. What's the secret? Foundation. Who's the foundation? Yahusha. Because Yahuwah through Yahusha is the source of all the things we will ever need. The glorious riches in Yahusha. So Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle you know, in this passage, is being promoted by this Facebook page to be a replacement of Yahusha. In other words, instead of depending on him, you can do it on your own. Just, con just control your thoughts, which is not the gospel message. This is why Apostle Paul tells us we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, not Eckhart's teachings, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning 
and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. This is why, you know, there's going to be a lot of information that we're going to be bombarded with. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, books, publications. we got to test it. And if we want to pass the test, the Bible tells us one thing. What is that? Second, this is the key. I am afraid that your minds will be corrupted and that you will abandon your full and pure devotion to Christ in the same way that Eve was deceived by the snake's clever lies. The trick that Satan used in the beginning is still the same effective way by which mankind can be corrupted. It begins with his desire to be independent, to be his own man, to control his own thoughts and become like God. The Apostle Paul says, do not be tricked by the devil, so that we will not be tricked by the devil. Let us abandon anything that will compete with our pure devotion to who? Christ, right? In other translations, let us keep our attention, our devotion to Christ pure and undivided. Anything, any principle, any person that robs us of pure, undivided, and full devotion to Christ, we ought to reject that especially Eckhart Tolle. This is why we're never going to be posting quotes from people who are not teaching the gospel. He's not Christian. He doesn't believe in the scriptures. And the post, that quote, was against the teachings of the Holy Bible. This is why if we want to follow Yahusha, what did Yahusha say? Deny yourself, right? But the devil in the Garden of Eden, what do he say? Find your truth. <laughs> Promote yourself. Brethren, we have to be myself and we need to live in Yahushua. Pure and undivided devotion working Yahushua so that we will not be deceived by the enemy. Okay? That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, merciful Yahuwah Abba. Thank you for the enlightenment of your holy words. Yes, we know there's so much in the world today yes, that is used by the adversary yes. to confuse each one of us, to try and remove us from fellowship with you. Yes, Help us, Father, to master your scriptures, yes. to understand your teachings, yes. that we will not be misled, that we will not be deceived yes. by anyone or by anything. Amen. Our King Yahushua, our eyes and our hearts, Yes. are fully committed to you. You are committed to us. Yes. It is but right and fitting that everything that we think about, yes, Lord. everything that we feel, yes. that we will promote you, that we will exalt you. Yes. You are our Savior. Yes. We need you in our life. Yes. Apart from you, we are but dust. Yes, but with you, we become living souls. Amen. Thank you so much. Help yes, us to Lord. be always ready yes. to do what is right, yes. to understand the ploys of the enemy, Amen. that we can preserve the truth of scriptures. Amen. Father, bless your people throughout the world. Yes, Equip Lord. us with more wisdom. Teach us to depend on you. Yes. Teach us not to rely on our own wisdom, yes. but always to preach your holy commands and to live them in our life. Amen. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.